everyone. You're listening to Express Your Child. Today, we'll be talking about what we're currently reading. But before we do that, we're going to do our reality check. So, Cindy, how have you been? Um, I've been good. I've been good. I've been very busy lately. Start of summer. The weather's finally yeah. got better. No more rain. So, oh, um, but it's rained a couple of times though, like in the last few weeks, no? It has, but I think before we had this hot period, there was like loads of rain endlessly. Do you remember in May? Yeah. Like, towards the end of May, yeah. it was raining constantly and it was awful. So. Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. Like there was a, a time when it was raining almost constantly and yeah. the weather was off, yeah? Because I remember I used to check the weather <laughs> and then it's supposed to be sunny and in the morning you wake up and you see like raindrops, you're like, ah. Oh again yeah exactly it was awful it's just been not great but now it's hot finally so yeah yeah it actually feels like summer now yeah like it actually does your jacket <laughs> finally yeah you can except in the evenings it does get a bit cool so you always need to take like a little cardigan or something yeah yeah and the mornings are still quite cold so yeah that's true that's true but yeah, yeah just been busy um june seems to be the month when everyone is born so there's been so many birthdays for me anyway <laughs> i've been attending so many birthday things so my pockets you know what? that's so strange because that's actually the case for me as well like literally i've got my uncle and my dad share the same birthday mm-hmm. and I've got my uncle and a cousin like one is two my uncle and my cousin are on the 7th of june mm-hmm. and and now it's my dad and my uncle on the 8th of June. Oh, wow. On the 9th of June. There's just too many birthdays in June. There is, isn't there? Um, yeah, I've been okay. I literally have been enjoying the summer as well. Mm-hmm. Like some days where I literally like after work, I just went outside just because I can, you know? Yeah. It's nice to like just, you know, actually, the, 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 the first instinct when you leave uh, the house is to like take a jacket <laughs> now I have to slap my hand myself to be like no Sika you don't need to take a jacket exactly yeah <laughs> um, but yeah I've yeah, been mostly enjoying the weather um mm-hmm. just, yeah taking it easy and slow mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah yeah same with you as well it's nice to be able to go to places it is yeah I just hope that like this new rise in cases isn't going to ruin things for us because I'm so used to like the freedom and the flexibility now it'd be a shame if that if that gets cut short soon yeah it's true yeah it would be such a shame it would be awful hopefully yeah. it won't increase too much um I know my yeah. boyfriend had like a covid like covid case the other day in his office so oh, you know how people okay. are going back to the office as well again so it's a bit scary yeah 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 I, well are you are you thinking of going back to the office then um maybe once a week but I, oh, okay I'm, we're working from home so I'm trying to long it out as long as possible <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna stretch it until the next lockdown don't do that <laughs> I will I'll try to because honestly it's just uh, I hate I hate working in the office I just hate the chit chat I don't like talking to most people I just prefer silence I like home-cooked lunches yeah. Cindy has just admitted to us that she's antisocial, guys. I am. I'm so I'm usually so antisocial. <laughs> usually I am. <laughs> yeah, you know, I realized, I realized that um I think I come across to a lot of people as someone who's sort of like extroverted, but I'm not. Mm. Um, and so like hanging around people, a lot of people drains me quite a bit, yeah. Yeah, same. 
if I was going into the office and stuff, I'd come back home and I'd be so shattered and knackered. I wouldn't want to spend time with anyone. Mm-hmm. But I don't think because I'm not in the office, in an office environment as much, and I'm not like going around and try, you know, like even asking a question on the, on the underground, that's like draining as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's still like people interactions. I like interacting with people. I'm very talkative, if yeah. you haven't. <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, but like, it's still draining for me. Like, I want to come back home and just be by myself sometimes and recharge. Yeah, exactly. It's like after work, I'm still the same. Like, my mood level stays the same. And I yeah, think same. Yeah, yeah same yeah, yeah. definitely definitely yeah. I saw that now people over 23 can get the COVID test have you a COVID jab oh vaccine yeah have you had the invitation yet or not yeah I got it over text um I think it was like two days ago something like yeah, that yeah same I thought it was some scam I was like oh is this a scam <laughs> yeah and that's the thing I, I didn't know it was over text you know but then how else would they notify us email it would be equally as even worse like I yeah. feel like scam people <laughs> i think some people get letters but oh okay yeah that's a bit more formal but it's also destroying the environment so i choose <laughs> yes shoot text is better but yeah are you yeah. have you booked yours yet or not not you just waiting no no, no, not not yet. Yet, no. Yeah, yeah have you i was gonna book it but then i think because we moved i had issues trying to find my gp like you couldn't find my details uh, okay why don't you find like a walking center then yeah I think I will or um I might just call out my GPA I just need to sort it out anyways because we moved during the lockdown so I never transferred all of my um my details to a new GP so and um I think for me I'm the same I think because I moved from uni and I've just never changed anything from uni yeah exactly I think dentist was still the same purely because like I never went to the dentist when I was at uni yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's true. home to go to the dentist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So today I was well. Today this morning I woke up and I went on Twitter for a few minutes. Yeah, it's part of my morning ritual just to check the news and see what's happening in the world whilst I've been sleeping. And yeah. I saw that um, Chimamanda. I didn't know that this happened. Well, I knew that this happened, but I didn't know who in the parties who were involved. So basically, yeah. Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. She gave an interview, I think, a few years ago, and she said something along the lines of, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, I can't really remember what exactly she said, but she said something like how trans women are trans women, but not real women. That's basically Mm. what she alluded to. And obviously, a lot of people have a lot of strong views about that, and that's quite, I don't know, um, I feel like... I don't know personally for me I don't really agree with such an opinion and yeah. people were just talking about how she's quite she's kind of like turf adjacent feminist oh okay yeah. right, right yeah. so um yeah so quite kind of exclusionary in her feminism so yeah. so people got onto her about that and then I know in the past year so that was like a few years ago and then people tried to cancel her but they didn't really I'm not sure what happened was it, is, I think I, I think like I remember it from like um was it a channel four interview or something was it- so yeah I think it was a channel yeah I think it was a channel four interview yeah 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 mm. I, I do remember like I'm not on twitter uh mm. or I have an account and I haven't logged on in ages <laughs> uh, um but I do remember like the the uproar about the interview mm. so yeah, yeah yeah exactly so she yeah. said something so, so like, what's what's the what's the context of the beef now before I like okay uh, uh divert you away <laughs> um so basically um so yeah that happened and then 
a few years ago, apparently there was some drama between Akwe Kiyomezi and Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie and another person okay. as well. Can't remember the name of the other person, individual involved. But right. I, I think um, Akwe Kiyomezi used to be um, like, used to have Chimamanda as her mentor. I think they were like, oh, yeah, for like her writing or whatever. Where and is Akwe Kiyomezi? Where is she from? She's from remember. Nigeria as well. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Now it makes sense when I read her book. It was a very unusual um so she she started between like Malaysia, the UK and Nigeria, didn't she? Yeah, I think her mum was from Malaysia, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was I was I was I was quite intrigued because I was like, hmm, something that's said between like Africa and Asia, like I really read literature like that. So now it kind of mm-hmm. makes sense. But then now I'm literally holding the book and I just saw her picture. I just realized it's a black woman. <laughs> yeah, didn't you know that beforehand? No, I didn't. I didn't look oh. at the book. Oh, yeah. really? Even from her name? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, fair. Yeah. But yeah, so I think yeah. she, she was a men. She was, yeah, Chimamanda Gozidichi was her mentor. And yeah. Chimamanda kind of like invited her to her house and they had kind of a close-ish relationship as her mm, like okay. mentor, mentee. And yeah. but when all that stuff happened after um, Chimamanda said all those things in the interview, yeah. um, apparently I think a quakey made like an, a thread on Twitter, like denouncing her, following the trend, just saying a lot of mean things and hurtful things to Chimamanda, even though she, you would think that someone as close to her would give her the space to think, okay, let me ask this individual who I know quite well her perspective mm. first and see what she thinks before blasting so she did that without doing that yeah yeah she did that without doing that and then Chimamanda is obviously very hurt about that and Mm. um and justifiably so and then I don't know why though because this happened years ago or quite a while ago but yeah and then it's resurfaced now (laughs) resurfaced now a week in the first week that Akwekia Mezi has released her like third or fourth book then do you not think it's to do with like creating publicity around the book yeah but what i don't but i feel like it's just to try and taint a quakey's name even more like why you would think? you why would you why would you talk about a bad situation you had with someone in the past yeah recent in the past very recently mm-hmm. in the week of their publication of their book so who brought it to light? Who brought the, 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 the Chimamanda? Chimamanda did. Yeah, and she posted like um, emails that she was saying how oh look at her emails. She's saying this on social media about me, but her emails she's begging for me, trying to like say I'm sorry, I love you, etc. Trying to apologize, but then outwardly facing on social media, you see something else. So she was trying to highlight mm. this kind of like duplicitous nature of some people and how social media works anyways with like how people bandwagon against things and don't really have to think for themselves and are too quick to try and tear people down so obviously it was a larger it was a broader critique about that which was justified and Chimamanda definitely had some points to make about how social media operates these days but the fact that she did it now is just really like it's a bit petty which is quite interesting to see Also, just wanted to add that because it wasn't very obvious when I spoke about it. 
is that I'm definitely way more on Emezi's side because I think that um, Adichie knew what she was doing. She wrote something, quite an inflammatory post, and she consistently misgendered um, Emezi throughout it. And she also knew the power of her words and that it would send loads of transphobic and homophobic people to their social media and put them at danger as well. She literally, even if she says that she supports trans women the trans community she really isn't by the way she went about this and how she's going about it so i think um inherently adichie doesn't really seem to care at all about trans community at all despite what she may say her actions have proved otherwise yeah i didn't know if if she hadn't been the one who brought it up then i would have been like because like publishing houses can be a bit nasty like that yeah they can like the the whole thing of like there's no such thing as bad publicity i would have said if she I would have said, oh, maybe the publishing houses are being involved here to generate generate like publicity around the 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 the, the book and whatever. Yeah. Like it seems like it's coming from Chimamanda's side. I feel like there's a beef that them two have between each other, mm-hmm. and they're bringing it into the public domain too much. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, so. and I'm quite surprised by Chimamanda because obviously she's an older lady, older woman. So I thought she. Yeah, I mean, I understand she's obviously hurt, but I just thought she wouldn't do such a thing. I just, yeah. That's true. I probably that's had true. quite high expectations for what I thought she would engage in and what she wouldn't engage in. And that's my own thing to unpack and sort out. <laughs> See, this is why I never hold, like, celebrities to a pedestal. Like, yeah, I've never, yeah. like, um, how, uh, because, like, we don't know these people at, this, at the end of the day. Like, yeah. we know part of the image. We know, like, her TED Talks. Yeah. Uh, you know like it's it's only like 10 minutes of her personality that is filtered washed down bleached and yeah. you know so it's kind of hard to get a sense of who she is maybe she's actually quite nasty most of the time maybe maybe exactly and maybe we don't even know like what's going on behind the closed doors so it's kind yeah. of hard to what's happened yeah but yeah i i i'm quite to a certain extent, I'm also quite sceptical about why has she brought the fight back to the public again? Exactly, yeah. It's just quite yeah. interesting, yeah. And also, I find it quite, I found it quite interesting because it's like two of my probably favourite Nigerian authors really? doing this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, okay. Yeah. I really love Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's work and I like Akweke Emezi's work as well, even though I've only read one of her books. I think yeah. she writes like no one else. I think she has a really profound and distinctive voice. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So but do, do you think, actually, um, on that note, because I've always had this question um, about like controversial people mm-hmm. uh, who have been influential, right? So. Yeah. It's because of like there was a time when when Bill Cosby and stuff like that when he was convicted oh, or whatever, yeah. remember, and like people used to come out and say, "Oh my God, the Hoxtables used to be like they were the highlight of my evenings when I was a child and blah 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 blah." Yeah, situation like that. Do you think you're able to separate the art from the person and consume it still, or do you think you cannot divorce the two? I don't think you can divorce the two. The so person, you can't divorce the two. No, you can't. I think the person. So where, where do you? Where's your line? Where do you draw the line? I think the person. I think there is no line. There's no line. It influences each other, hundred <laughs> percent. Because you yourself, you whatever you create, you you you've got a bit of yourself within it. Like you can't take that out. I don't understand how you can consume something. Maybe like something like the Huxtables and that TV show. 
it's because there's um, other the Cosby show. The Cosby show. Maybe it's because there's actually other people's influences in the show. It's not just Bill Cosby. That's his whole show. He's creatively directed everything. He sorted out the outfits, costumes, script, everything, directing style, yeah. whatever, producing it. If there's other people involved in it, so it's not completely yeah. his own artistic like vision. Oh, okay okay so i can see how you could say that but maybe something like a book even though obviously you have people who can help you to write a novel i just think it's a lot closer oh, proofreaders. <laughs> yeah exactly but i think there's it's more something that comes more from yourself than mm. other people I, yeah I, I think i'm i'm on the opposite side okay. i think i'm certain line that i can i can tolerate certain things yeah um and also still understand the complexity of like someone's like the complexity of a person's uh, uh, thing identity their history so like try to understand why someone thinks that way exactly the, the the reason why i think the things i said before was i was trying to rationalize like what kind of re- relationship do they have mm-hmm. with them who brought the fight to the public eye and stuff like that so i was trying to sort of like establish like a balance of whether where that line is going to be yeah uh, but sometimes I agree it's very hard to um to still like consume an art form when you know that that individual is 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 controversial yeah it's the same conversation that always comes up around like historical statues and stuff like that you know exactly yeah absolutely Winston Winston Churchill should be teared down other people like what and kind of stuff like that you know I don't think so, it has to be so black and white, but you can definitely find a middle ground. But I think yeah. you have to understand that that person's personal perspective and their life informs their art 100% or whatever they've created. Yeah. Because you can yeah. appreciate something that was written by someone who's right wing. You can appreciate it and still value in it, but you can yeah. also understand that this is their context and it doesn't align with your own personal politics. But you can yeah. kind of try to appreciate it or see its importance. Yeah, I, I, I stop at spending money on if someone is too controversial for my own politics, I'm not going to spend money on you. That's that's my yeah. my. Priority. Yeah, I think that's my yeah. line as well. Yeah. 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 yeah it's yeah. a really hard line to draw. And it's yeah. And like yeah. you said, it's also part of the idea that we didn't think I personally didn't think that Chimamanda would engage in such behavior so publicly yeah but I kind of put her up on a pedestal not that I put her on pedestal like I'm not a Chimamanda fan I wouldn't say I'm a fan I wouldn't say I love and follow her and whatever she does yeah but I just thought that she had an air of, of grace or something that I didn't think she would yeah engage in yeah and no, I, I, I can I can sort of understand why someone would be shocked yeah um, that's happened um but equally like it's just I don't know if, if there's like an, 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 a, a dark side to social media that like turns people in, in, into this like yeah. style, like lack, lacking empathy beast kind of thing, you know? Yeah, no, there's, so, there's a big thing about that on social media. Like, honestly, now I can't even go on Twitter for like five minutes without getting super annoyed. Like, I don't even go on Twitter that much anymore because it's just yeah. awful and toxic. Like, everyone's here to just try and tear down each other everyone like, yeah there's yeah. such like a massive it's such, just a massive echo chamber like there's no real like I don't know radical thought and if there is everyone just goes into one direction no one tries to think critically and if you do yeah or if you say something that goes against the grain you get shamed or dragged for it 
Like, exactly, yeah. And all it's of like this cancel culture. Is, I remember you used to usually talk about it, a, lot, a lot about like cancel culture. Yeah, and it's just all performative because at the end of the day, everyone can say whatever they want in, on Twitter, but when you go to the real world, it's not <laughs> like that. Twitter seems like a place where everyone's a left wall on where I, where I am on Twitter, the yeah. echo chamber I am in. It seems like everyone's a leftist and everyone can think critically about what's happening in politics in the UK or wherever, South Africa. <laughs> but when you come to real life and you see how people vote and voting trends and the discourses yeah. in like I don't know mass media it's completely different it's just completely yeah. false it's, it's divorced from reality to an extent it's so strange yeah. that Twitter's become the way it has now but I think sometimes it's easy to blame individuals and groups of people rather than realizing that Twitter to be fair kind of endorses this type of behavior it does. the algorithm and the way it, it does it does proliferate because it's, it's it's profitable for Twitter for it to work in this way yeah yeah oh my god yeah that's so true that's so true yeah it's very easy to like pinpoint pin it to like one individual or groups of people saying it's young people who are doing this cancel culture but it's precisely yeah 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 yeah. it's it's a very complicated um exactly because like why doesn't the same type of behavior happen on facebook or reddit it doesn't like no it doesn't yeah it's a bit more balanced actually yeah it's twitter yeah Yeah. Yeah. the way in which twitter functions yeah, even though you can tell by the way, like how long it's taken them to like ban Donald Trump, mm-hmm. for example. Like he had so much influence and power. Yeah. Uh, just by virtue of being an American president. Mm-hmm. And the, the stuff that he was saying, I feel like they could not have ever come from any other politician in the world. But they managed to stay on Twitter because he was American. Twitter is American. And there was some interest in, like in keeping him on there, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was a- who has become useless at the end of his term then they decide oh let's ban him <laughs> exactly he should have been banned the minute he started using twitter exactly he should have yeah 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 so yeah yeah no i i completely agree yeah. yeah and it's also the fact that like sometimes social media doesn't allow people room to grow yeah exactly yeah, it doesn't because i've seen like stuff where people dig out like old old tweets or like oh. uh, i think was it Maya Jama? I'm not a fan of Maya Jama anyway. Yeah, like, I saw that as well. You know, the colorist tw- tweets um, that people were digging out. Mm-hmm. But if you time that those tweets came out, it was like all those colorist things you were saying were perfectly acceptable at the time. People used to laugh at those jokes. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Dark skinned people weren't getting hurt at the time they were. But we just thought it was okay at the time. We were comfortable with this, you know? Exactly, yeah. I I, I, I agree. Because I've seen, like, people, like, there's this YouTuber called Nella Rose, or content creator Nella Rose. Yeah. And she made some yeah. colorist tweets as well when she was, like, 13. And yeah, people 13. were trying to, yeah, people were trying to cancel her for that. I'm like, she literally just absorbed everything else she's seen from social. 13. Yeah, she was 13. <laughs> she was 13 at the time. Like, you can tell she just absorbed all of these awful remarks and awful ways of thinking and just spewed it out but not really thought about it critically and she's grown now yeah. now she's like in her 20s why are you bringing it up unless it's something exactly and at, at 13 yeah. like all those years your, your your brain is so volatile exactly like, so volatile like you go where the the, the wind goes most exactly of the time. and and like you said things and like you said earlier everyone was making those jokes everyone exactly we were called monkeys exactly yeah so, yeah no one used to like the dark-skinned black girls like it was it would happen it was the norm yeah yeah and it's, it's a lot of things it's not even just colorism it's, it's so everything big. racism homophobia like, sexism all of it yeah even like even like at this point in time like we we talk about like the problem with rape jokes 
there was a time rape jokes were not funny. Were were funny, sorry. They were like not even considered. Like, you you wouldn't even have to think about. It. Look at comedians. Like I feel like stand up comedy is a perfect like map to show us like how far we've come. Oh my gosh, yeah. You you should actually do like an infographic mapping it and seeing how yeah. far we've come. Someone should do that. Maybe you should do it. Yeah. Before someone else does your idea. Using comedy as a marker. Yeah, that would be good. That would be actually really interesting to see. Back to the subject that we're here for today. So, yes. So today we are talking about all the books that we have read this year mm-hmm. and what we're currently reading and what yeah. we want to read in the future and yeah just everything about what we've been reading to be honest so yeah. um what have you what are you currently reading at the moment so uh, funny enough uh, I'm actually reading about four books at the same time now yeah. oh my goodness that's literally me as yeah. well <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of thing where like my books are sort of like dispersed between the living room and my bedroom. Mm-hmm. So I one it's like I, I read before I go to bed sometimes. So I just picked up a book and what was on the shelf was like a different book. So I was like, I can't be jealous, like go out. I was so comfortable. Let me just like take whatever's there and start reading. So I started reading that and then I just carried on. Mm-hmm. At lunch, something else was close to so I just grabbed that and started reading it. So I've just been oh, jumping between these four different books here. Yeah. So, yeah so I, I I'm almost done reading The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo okay oh okay I haven't you, finished that one yes um how do you find in that one um actually you know what yeah I I find I found it a little bit predictable at the beginning mm. yeah especially like the, the the I'm not gonna give away too many spoilers but like the the, the relationship like with Don Adler that he was like the it the, the most eligible bachelor at the time like I saw that coming the fact that it was going to be abusive I was like, oh, like if he's good looking it's going to be trash <laughs> of course it always, always plays out that way <laughs> so you'll be a good looking guy <laughs> it's true but yeah I like the way it's written though it's quite nice yeah it's and a nice the- easy read yeah it's very easy to read it's yeah. very easy. yeah yeah, yeah that like she is actually a bisexual woman I thought that was a nice in like I guess it's like a romantic novel isn't it yeah it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of like a, it's, it's probably the one thing that I'd say about the book that wasn't predictable in the same way that other like aspects of her identity mm. were they explored her more as a person rather than her relationships yeah yeah, because there's too much focus on like there's Harry, there's Don, there's Celia, there's like all yeah. these. She she seems like a, a um, not like a prop, but like she seems to be just there. I think she wasn't fully thought of in depth as she wasn't brought to life in that much of a way. Does that make sense? I feel like yeah, the, you know, the I, writer wrote has a concept and an idea, but not as a real person. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I didn't like her at the beginning as well because what was the name of her first husband, the one that she used? Oh no, I I I liked her at the beginning. Yeah, that man was using her too. He was with some sixteen-year-old girl. Believe me, she was nineteen. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> that man deserved also it. Also true. That's true, actually. And now when you say it like that, it's a bit. I like, can't even remember that. I believe I re- I can't can't believe that I even remember that detail. Completely forgot it until now really yeah yeah I'll, I'll think of his name i can't remember what his name was 
Yeah, I can't uh, remember as well. Yeah, she was quite young. I forgot how young she was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What else are you reading? So I, I, I am reading Freshwater. Um, I bought this uh, when I was in, uh, well, I was living in Bristol at the time, but I went to Bath. I was always in Bath. And my favorite bookshop in Bath is called Topping and Company. Uh, it's it's absolutely amazing. Oh my god! Why? Why is it amazing? They've got like um, their books unsorted by genre. Well, there's a section where they're sorted by genre, but there's a section where they all mix together. Mm. So you just go in there and dive in. Like you could come across absolutely anything. Okay. Which is I found this book called Unnatural Causes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. At the time, I bought this when I was in King's Cross and Pancras on my way back to Bristol, no, to Loughborough. Um, but like that bookshop is so amazing for that reason. Like you can literally just get lost and find anything. Oh, okay. And they've got a space to like have afternoon tea scones and read. Oh, nice. What's the name of it again? Yeah. Topping and Company. Okay, guys, if you're in Bristol, please go and go bar. there. Oh, yeah. bar. Sorry. Bar. Yeah. So yeah, I- I'm reading Freshwater. Mm-hmm. As well. um, I um, I really like her, her writing style. I like um, how peculiar the storyline is as well. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really excited to see how it's going to go. Mm, mm, yeah, the fact that like, the fact that like at first when I read it, like the first chapter, I was a bit confused because I was like, why, why, why are they saying that? Like, because the dad kills the python, right? And then they're like, oh, why he's killed, um, he, he's killed like our spirit or something like that. Yeah. Like, oh, what is going on here? Because in the folklore, something like the mother of the world or something of nature is like a snake. It's the like, snake, yeah. And, and they're twins, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. It's something to do with like their conception and stuff like that. It's very deep and detailed. It's so good, though. Yeah, it is. What bit are you on right now? Um, I'm like in the third chapter. Oh, okay. What's happening? She's still young, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's still a child. She's still a child. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I was really so. confused as well for the first couple of chapters. I was like, "What am I reading?" Because I don't understand <laughs> what's going on. But then I just, yeah. I just let myself just like, you know what? Let me just not think about how I'm feeling reading this and just feel it and just go with the flow. Just go, go with, with the, the flow, flow yeah. and just enjoy it. And I really enjoyed it. At first, I was like. I'm not sure if I'm gonna read this like this book, and yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, I need to read more because it gets a lot more interesting afterwards. Trust oh, me. okay, yeah, it's a really good book. I like her writing style as well. She's really good. Yeah, she has. She has a really interesting way of writing, very different, but her voice is very really distinct. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. of course, a lot of dialogue as well. That's why I like it. <laughs> oh yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's very prosy. Yeah, Most... it's not very prosy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Unnatural Causes. Who is that yes. by? So this is by um, Richard Shepherd. He's like a, 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 what do you call a person? Oh, a forensic pathologist. Mm. He's performed over 23,000 autopsies. Oh my gosh. On right, he must solve the mystery of a sudden unexplained, he must solve the mysteries of sudden unexplained deaths of how this person died um so he, in, in the first like I'm, I'm sort of like maybe a chapter and a half in and this guy honestly like the way he I, I don't know what, what I was expecting when I opened this book here yeah, but like the way he's written it is 
it's like um you know adam k's um oh, this is going to yes yeah it's like in between that and a non-fiction book oh okay hmm, that sounds yeah. like a good read then sounds entertaining yeah 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 so he he's it's like he, adam k's book is like a a, a memoir kind of yeah it's kind of like comedy memoir it's very funny quite yeah in some places yeah yeah, yeah but he's writing about something worse about actual death <laughs> yeah i can imagine oh god <laughs> um but yeah it's it's, it's quite it's, it's quite harrowing in some instances what's the most harrowing bit that you've read so far um well it's it's I feel, I feel like it's the names that they give to like these cases that they have yeah oh like gosh. um he's in, in the first chapter he's talking about the fact that like he was assigned to like guys hospital i think it's called guys hospital and the case that he's first assigned to is called the massacre or something like that oh yeah so it's like a it's, it's sort of like a, a what what does he call it um he calls it uh oh freak accident okay yeah so it's like a it's, it's basically this guy who has a pole that goes through him and they're sort of like trying to figure out whether the pole went through him by accident or it was someone who put the pole through him or like was he did he fall on the pole and stuff like that it's how do you fall on a pole for it to go through you like that what he pole? must have fallen from a height I guess that's what I'm gonna find out because that's that's his job as a as a oh, forensic scientist to figure out what the cause of death was. What type of pole is it? Is it like a scaffolding pole or what? My goodness. I think it must be a scaffolding pole because it's quite blunt here yeah, from what he describes. That's really graphic. I don't think I should it's read. Very it. graphic. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, but when you read the book, it's not that graphic. Okay. It does, like when you stop and think about it yeah when you close the book you say hmm, a pole went through the sky <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know why i'm laughing because it's so awful. it's not funny <laughs> <laughs> but my natural reaction maybe just to cope with how morbid it is i'm just like just laugh <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 quite good though. i'm i'm really I don't want to say I'm excited to to read i, I want to like I, i'm more intrigued by the the process of mm-hmm. and problem solving yeah, yeah. I'm more about the process of like finding out the you know yeah. the process that the, the method that he, he he used to sort of like approach the um the mystery I suppose yeah that's so interesting I'm definitely gonna have to read this afterwards but I think we'll have yeah. to read the book as well alongside it I'm saving it for you don't worry <laughs> okay <laughs> oh um, gosh um so yeah. yeah what other book are you reading is that that's your third um so i'm good I, I started reading the underground railroad ro- uh, the underground railroad mm-hmm. last night um but i don't remember uh, it's about like um it's, it's about like a, a slave it's as it was it's like enslaved people that are sort of like it's the process of them like escaping slavery if i put it like lightly like that I think okay yeah yeah so okay. that's that should be interesting it's, it's kind of that book that like, I've been putting it down because like there's a lot of like slave narrative out there yeah being ah do I really want to read like another story about slaves but it has such good reviews yeah it does a- yes people eloping from slavery and you don't usually get that narrative so I figured 
reading this. It's true. It seems like something we all should know and learn about. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Precisely. But it, because then, like, if you think about it, like if I know so much about like um, slavery, I don't know much about like slaves escaping, slave uh, rebellions and stuff like that. So it makes more sense that I have to consume more stuff like that if I want to know more about it. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So the writing style is quite easy. It's very easy to go. Um, maybe it's a bit slow. That's why I don't remember much from the book. Yeah, I, I actually finished listening to an audiobook the other day. Oh, what uh, audiobook? Uh, it's called Who Owns England? Oh, I've, I think I wanted to read that. I just had like three credits on my Audible account. So I was like, huh, audiobook. Um, so I, I decided to buy that one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds quite interesting. Yeah, I've got, I've got um, Prisoners of Geography as well on there as an audiobook. Oh yeah, I've got the I've got the physical book for that one. Okay, some I've I've, I've, I've had some mixed reviews on that book here. Yeah. Some people uh, think it's um, it, it's kind of the same problem that people had with um, what's that big book? Homo Deus, the other one. Oh, um, Sapiens. Yes, yes. Yeah. Like the, he presents a lot of things as if they're fact when they're not. Oh, I didn't know that in Sapiens things were not facts. But I knew yeah, that with physics of geography because that was my place of expertise. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it doesn't make kind of like going into the section of things that I'm gonna read anyway. So I may as well like uh, <laughs> carry on. Yeah, just carry <laughs> on. Rather, not read. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he he. Um, what what was I saying? I can't remember. Um, about sapiens and how some of the stuff he presented as facts, but I, I know a lot of the things are like theories. So. Yeah, so I think I think maybe that's 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 what people are saying. They are theories. Yeah. They're not concrete oh. uh, facts and stuff like that. So I'm not I'm not really sure why exactly. Like I, I couldn't tell you like the exact things that people have an issue with. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, but I, I, I can get I, I can kind of understand what they mean from the parts of the book that I read. Okay. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. It's I like mean, evolution, you know. Yeah. We talk about it as if it's facts, but it's actually theory. Like mm. that had a theory yeah it's like how how human beings moved out of africa which routes did they use how i don't know agriculture started in exactly that middle eastern region mesopotamia whatever it was yeah 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 yeah, okay yeah i guess a lot of people don't realize that those are theories yeah yeah okay Um, yeah Yeah. if i didn't know if i hadn't studied what i studied yeah i would have not known you wouldn't just you you wouldn't critically uh dispute the things that you're reading I wouldn't as fact yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's that, that's that I think that's maybe what the that that criticism was sort of like aiming at okay yeah yeah, yeah. I think yeah, but um, people do that with social media posts anyway it's, true. it's so true I think as well I agree with the prisoners of geography one because when I read it I was like this is just one guy's perspective and it was I think I yeah. thought a very limited and very narrow view of how geopolitics works so yeah but then again, yeah, I knew that I delved way deeper into like politics and geography and yeah, all of that. So yeah, geopolitics is interesting anyway. So I'm kind of looking forward to like listening to that one as well. It is, but just take his yeah. stuff as a grain of salt. salt. Yeah, maybe like as an eye opener, but not like as gospel truth. Yeah. Yeah. So- definitely. Yeah. yeah. But if you ever want to know more about geopolitics, honestly, I'll give you my whole reading list from my uni. <laughs> <laughs> bring it on bring it 
fun. Real, I'll give you. There's so much you could read. There's so many. Oh god. Too. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And I ordered a book called Patsy. Oh, I have that book. And you have the book? Yes, it's green. The cover. It's like a, it's very colorful. Yeah, is it like New York? The background or it's set in New York? Yeah, so is this basically is this Caribbean? I think it's Jamaican woman who basically immigrates mm-hmm. to the US, mm-hmm. and it's written from the perspective of an immigrant. Yeah, I think I have that book. My friend, I got it in a book subscription monthly thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. What made you want to read this book? I guess maybe I was just curious of, and maybe because like there there, there isn't that much stories about like. Um, immigrants like the pro the, the the journey of relocating to a different country and stuff like that and also in a really strange way I know there's this whole thing about like diaspora wars and stuff like that and I feel like it's fueled by the ignorance because people have this perception that oh, immigrants are out to get our stuff yeah yeah so there's not enough complexity being not enough um like due diligence being paid from the immigrant side maybe I'm a bit biased because I'm an immigrant myself mm. um, um, but yeah, it's just out of curiosity because also I know stories about like um, Zimbabweans, uh, Southern Africans relocating. Maybe West Africans, I probably have a better idea of what the experience is like when they come yeah. or relocate, especially to Western nations. But so not you like books like Americana as well. Chimamanda. Yeah, yeah, Americana is probably the first book that I ever read that like portrayed the. It's not even like not even a struggle, not even a. a, a yeah but just like the- yeah she, she 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 doesn't necessarily explore the immigrant side of the of, of her her experience as much so I wanted something that dove into a bit more detail about that yeah that's that that was my main thing and also um because someone was talking about the fact that like in the book it comes out that she abandons her child um in Jamaica and people were sort of like critical of that aspect but the the the, the I don't know if it was the author or it was someone else were saying that men do this all the time mm, mm. abandon their kids all the time all the time it doesn't like like gather as much momentum like when like women um do it but it takes you to make a child right so why 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 does the the burden suddenly like feels heavier for, for, the, for the mother yeah, and <laughs> so, i think it's, we're also used to narratives or i don't know for southern southern cult southern africans but we're used to narratives of the man going and immigrating and then the fam, the woman and the child yeah. following afterwards. It's never usually yeah. the woman taking an active role in like securing her future and moving away and doing that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I, I was really curious about I'd say maybe those were the two things. The fact that she was an immigrant, mm. the fact that like there's that narrative of her like abandoning her child and like the the uproar. I wanted to see what the uproar was about. I wanted to see for myself, like to see what kind of like view was it going to be balanced or biased or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that sounds really interesting. I, I definitely didn't even think about this book that much when I got it. Recently. Really? No, I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. I'll just, I just put it on the back of my shelf. I'll read it whenever I read it. But now that you've like, told me all of this, I'm, yeah. I'm, I really want to read it now. So yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Maybe we can read it at the same time and then talk about oh, it. Yeah, let's yeah. just do that. Let's do that. Maybe. Yeah, because we'll I feel like it has a lot of well. themes. Yeah, it seems like it does. Definitely. Yeah. Let's let let's give the floor, move the floor over to Cindy. Um, at the moment, I'm currently reading 
um, Zami, a new spelling of my name, which is a biomythography by Audre Lorde. And it's about, it's kind of like a, yeah, a biomythography of her life or up yeah. to a certain age. So it explores when she was young, when she was discovering the world and herself and moving through like adolescence and into adulthood and that journey. And also, I'm not sure if you know who Audre or whoever doesn't know who Audre Lorde is, but um, mm. she's like a poet, essentially a black feminist lesbian poet. Yeah. I'm not sure if she uses the title feminist or not, so don't quote me on that. But um, yeah, so she talks about her experiences and it's really, really interesting. I'm basically finished. I think I only have like 30 pages left. Um, it's really interesting. And after okay. reading this, I've seen, I've kind of compared the experience of like women who are like bisexual and lesbian to The Seven Lives of Evelyn Hugo. And I've realized mm, okay. how poorly it does with representing how it was in the 1950s and 60s. Like that book does. So such how a bad poor what is the representation? Like showing the actual oh. and the okay. real like problems that you could face. Maybe there's a difference because of class as well. Like all yeah. the Lord was like working class and. Evelyn Hugo is a fictional character who was like in the I don't know in the in the elite. So yeah, and also it depends who wrote um, the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. It was Taylor Jenkins Reid. Reid, yeah, exactly. And Mm -hmm. I don't think so. They're writing from a completely different perspective as well. I think. Well, I don't know Taylor. Sorry if I'm wrong, but just as 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 a basis for an an assumption, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. So it's just in a lot more depth. Like there's so many things I didn't realize. Like that you could experience being a lesbian in the 1950s and 60s that would put you at great risk like she puts it into context of like the McCarthy era how everything was like just economically as well politically mm. how dangerous it was like there's a, a moment where her she's sharing a flat with another lady who's straight heterosexual white woman yeah and um the white woman has a work friend who comes over and then mm-hmm. a few days later at her work the the lady spreading rumors about how the other lady is living with a with a lesbian woman and how she's queer and how that's dangerous and how that doesn't fit into oh the mold of what they want at their workplace and then the other lady her flatmate just moves out and says i'm leaving and just it's like, like yeah just like that or how there was women who pretended to be lesbian who would um, go into like lesbian bars and they'll see how many items of clothing you wore and if you had less than three items of clothing even if it was hot or whatever they'll just arrest you and say that you were like selling sex or something isn't that crazy oh, yeah there were people <laughs> undercover trying to find out who were the lesbians who were the gays where were they what were they doing and how it doesn't fit into the mold of what American society should be so it's just really interesting like how she deals with her family yeah um, them accepting her how she just yeah just finds out who she really is like in, in a lot of depth like really Not like the history like history sounds so violent like when you yeah. you read it maybe it's because i don't know like we 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 are probably like more a, a bit more peaceful than maybe not actually i think our violence is different exactly i think our violence is different but i think yeah. there's a lot of continuity with it the same as well yeah yeah but um even though it's so like all of these things are happening it's so beautiful like the way she writes is like nothing else like it was like 
reading this was just amazing I just I love the way she writes it's just incredible that was gonna be my question to you I was gonna ask you since she's a poet yeah uh, Audrey Lord is a poet what how how like how 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 is her her writing style like how does it like feed like feed into the book and the fact that she's a poet probably like it's a bit more it flows it's so yeah. much more yeah it flows really well like the way she describes certain scenes or like settings the way she describes space sometimes it's just really beautiful like it feels like it feels even though she's she's hurting and going through all these problems literally her writing feels like nourishment that's the only Mm. thing I can describe it which is really weird that word can be nourished but you know I I really understand what you mean like it's literally like all her learnings and the stuff that she learns in her life like they literally it's like she's feeding me knowledge and like a way mm. to appreciate and understand myself I want to get to a place of knowing myself in a much depth yeah it's just it's just it's like nothing else honestly it's literally food for the soul like her writing is beautiful and it's That's not like, like overly it's yeah. not even overly poetical or anything it just I just don't know I can't describe it I, I don't have the words to do so so Cindy is speechless, guys. I actually am. Like, it's so good. It's really that's amazing. Well, you've done a good job at selling the book, I think. I well, uh, hopefully, hopefully. But I just, yeah, thought it was important to read um more diverse authors, and I haven't really read much work from Audrey Lord. So, okay. Oh, I forgot. You gave me um, is the Vanishing Half. Oh yeah, by Britt Bennett. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. the other book that I'm looking forward to reading. Oh yeah. Um, yeah view of it made me want to read it so I'm really curious what the what it's gonna um be like mm, it's an interesting right. read it's definitely an interesting yeah read. yeah yeah um I'm also reading another book by Gia Tolentino um, okay Gio's a I think she's like a journalist I'm not sure what um newspapers she writes for but I think it's something like the New Yorker or okay. New York Times, something like that. And it's yeah. called Trick Mirror, Reflections on Self-Delusion. Um, oh. I started reading it. And yes, yeah, so basically it's this is a book which is about how hard it is to see ourselves clearly in culture that revolves so much yeah. around the self. Um, so she just talks about like the rise of the social, of the internet, how she was involved in like a TV show when she was in her teenage years um a lot more other stuff I haven't read that those bits yet but so far I'm really struggling to get into it I think it's just the way she writes it's just okay to be fair I usually have I struggle to read long form articles right usually I do if it's like on the Guardian on the New York Times if they're really long like I can read it but honestly it doesn't sink you've forced it yourself yeah and it doesn't sink into my brain in the way that I want it to and I don't really retain much of the information and I just find it quite long and lengthy and sometimes a bit mm, mm, I just don't like it and it doesn't include Mm. enough details or it's very it's very much like a story I just I think it's a really weird way of writing anyway so she kind of writes like that but in a whole book and my brain I don't know just doesn't have the capacity to just read that way and I feel like she has a lot of because she's so used to maybe packing a lot in such a short article that when she's writing something the same long, the she's including loads of details that might not be useful or just get a bit okay more. I end up skipping paragraphs because I'm like okay I really don't need to read about this like it's not that mm, yeah I, I, I get that yeah I get but you, what, yeah. what she says in the book like after each chapter I'm like yeah you've said something actually that's really profound so the work is really good it's just 
it's just not my favorite writing style it's not it's not very accessible i feel it doesn't motivate you to keep going i suppose no it doesn't it doesn't or maybe, maybe I, don't you think it's because like people that write articles and stuff like that they normally tend to write for a niche audience mm. that one for starters accustomed to reading material like that people mm. that's for information or people who just want to read like a small section of your article not like the whole thing yeah um, reading a book is more sort of like it's more like a journey you go from here to there to there yeah I feel like I, I feel like she has that way we go on a, this journey but it's just the journey is just I don't know when it's things to do with the internet sometimes or like there's too many pit stops <laughs> yeah there's just too many I don't know just I've, I just feel like I'm hitting a block I've I don't know, just hitting a wall, oh, okay. something like that. But like the way um, she does it is good. She's not a bad writer. She's a really good and skilled writer. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. Or maybe yeah. the way the times in which I've tried to sit down and read it haven't been the best or the most the best environments conducive to reading her work. I don't know. Mm, but yeah, I'll but the topic sounds interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, I will yeah. still keep trying, but for now, I'm taking a break for that. And yeah. um, I'm also still reading the Brutus Museums about the Benin Bronzes, um, colonial okay. cultural restitution. And I'm also listening to an audio book, but it's my, oh! favorite, <laughs> but it's my favorite book. And it's Pride and, one of my favorite books is Pride and Prejudice by... Okay. So I'm rereading that by through audio. And I'm really okay. I love Pride and Prejudice. I think it's so entertaining. This is the beginning of Cindy's transition to audiobooks, guys. Listen maybe, to that. Maybe, maybe. A round of applause. Maybe, but I'm taking a new leap. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just because I really like Pride and Prejudice anyway. So it's just, yeah, yeah it's easy for me to read. Um, Shall we say then, instead of uh, reading Born a Crime, mm-hmm. yeah, because that's the other book that we had said that we would both like look into and talk about in an episode, yeah. maybe. I think you should listen to the, 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 the audiobook. Okay, yeah, I think I might. Yeah. I think I might. I'll give it a try. Yeah, because I did half and half, yeah. yeah. And um, I think it's just also because, like, um, Trevor Noah is just generally an eloquent speaker. He's a great storyteller. He, he pulls you in, yeah? yeah? So the book has that element of it as well. And I remember speaking to one of my friends at uni. Um, he's, um, he's Greek and Spanish, I think. And he was talking about the fact that, like, he never thought he'd enjoy an, an audio book until he listened to Born a Crime. Okay. Mm. He tells it, he put him into the, 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 the scene of apartheid South Africa. <laughs> oh, does Trevor Noah um, do the audio book? Is he the one? Yeah. To... Oh, okay, that makes it better. Okay, then I will. <laughs> I, will. I will. Yeah. Okay, that sounds yeah. really interesting. Okay, I will. Yeah, I, I think I think you will enjoy the the the, the, the audio book. if you if you enjoy listening to, to to Trevor Noah, you would enjoy the audio book as well because a lot of his stories in there are funny as well. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's funny, think... but it's also like gory. There's some really crazy stuff, like when his mom gets shot in the head. Oh my he, gosh! He, he makes it so lighthearted. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Oh wow! Okay, I I will definitely do that then. Yeah, challenge for yay! <laughs> it, will, it will be a challenge. Um, yeah. And then I recently finished reading um, "Her Body and Other Parties" by Carmen Maria Machado. Um, yes. So this is um, her debut novel, and it's a collection of short stories, and it's yeah, it's really oh yeah, so short stories, yeah. 
just short stories about women and um, the experiences of different women and but it's it, like she uses so she like blends a lot of different genres in it so you've got mm. like horror magical realism a little bit oh. of like psychological stuff in it. yeah kind of like a thriller there's some there's one that's kind of like Hitchcock-esque kind of vibes oh um, okay yeah it's really interesting Lovecraftian kind of Hmm. yeah like she she blends in a lot of different genres into one and it's so fascinating the way she writes um so yes it's just exploring women and women's lives and the different types of violence that women suffer sounds really but it's not completely that it's not just about women's violence that women suffer but it's just yeah yeah, um it's a really interesting read like i'll i'll tell you some of the premises or some of the stories yeah please do one of the short stories sorry is called inventory and it's literally her listing all of her past lovers which is quite interesting oh yeah another one is uh it's called the husband stitch i don't know if you know the the husband stitch you know what the husband stitch is no okay then you're gonna learn when you read this the first bit because i didn't know what it was so when i was reading it i was like okay what's this gonna be about I don't know if I should spoil it for you, but I think you should just... No, no, maybe maybe let me find out. Yeah, yeah let, I'll let you find out. Um, I like so the yeah, mystery. <laughs> I didn't know what Husband Stitch was. Didn't even know it existed. No one's ever mentioned this to me before. So it's just, okay. a, it's just, it's just about the Husband Stitch. Another one is okay. about mothers. Um, another one is about women who have like, um, uh, like really interesting and like, I don't know, harmful relationship with food and their bodies and how they eat oh okay and then another one is about a woman who goes on a residency like artistic residency and she's writing in some far away little cottage or like building with other artists and they're just exploring their art together but it's it's very okay and another one is about a woman recovering from like sexual violence and her experiences with that it's all very interesting and it's not what you see also there's yeah. another one about yeah they're all about kind of like women's bodies and yeah stuff like yeah that. well the, the title I suppose is about that isn't it yeah it sounds like I've explained it all to you but honestly no I have just you haven't even hit the tip of the iceberg no, I haven't even scratched the surface yet honestly so much depth her writing is so good so easy to read I yeah. I really admire her writing skill like it's so good but I okay I probably prefer in the dream house um because this one yeah definitely oh okay but yeah you should definitely if you haven't read any Carmen Maria Machado I think that's a good one to start with start with her body and other parties don't start with in the dream house oh right okay actually start with her yeah yeah considering that like giving me two good reviews I feel like I want to add both of them to my reading list (laughs) you should um yeah. another one i recently read was um nudie branch by irenison okoji um i think there are oh, okay um yeah so it's another that cover i feel like i've seen that cover somewhere on instagram as well let me see yeah it's a really bold okay, and yeah. bright isn't it it's really yeah nice. very summery i also got this yeah. in, the, um, in the what's it called in the mail from the book subscription oh okay yeah yeah, it was recommended to me but it's um it's a collection of short stories with different characters in really extraordinary situations that test the boundaries of reality it's a lot of magical realism so if you like some of that then it's 
it's interesting one mm. of the stories is about a love hungry goddess of the sea who arrives on oh. an island inhabited by yeah by men so quite interesting okay hmm reads that you've gone through yeah pardon you've gone through some really interesting reads I have I think I have yeah. um another one another story is about a dimension hopping monks sworn to silence must face a bloody reckoning and yeah it's just it's really interesting and there's another one about a woman who's a Grace Jones impersonator it's interesting what yeah that's her that's a oh. job yeah it's just a collection of short stories very random stories I really I liked all the stories I liked the concepts and but I just I think she didn't flesh out some of the characters and the stories enough yeah that it made it I just it felt a bit um, like there was something really lacking from the book like all of them were really good ideas but I think they should have been explored further and individually I feel like maybe she was just limited to one book so she has just packing as much of her ideas as possible yeah one into really short stories so some of them could have really been developed better and they would have been beautiful, but yeah. It's mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like an interesting read. I feel like we always say this about books. Maybe we're never satisfied about like how much characters are explored because we had like the same issues with House of Stone in some cases. Oh, true. I felt, I have felt satisfied. And that was like books like, I don't know, A Little Life. That satisfied me with all the depth. Of all the characters. I was overly satisfied in that one. <laughs> that was that was so good. Yeah. That was yeah. Really, that did that never disappointed me at all. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that like for me, the 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 the, the part that I enjoy about reading is character growth. hmm Yeah. The, 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 the like that's like the the what what's it called? That's like the small poison for me that keeps me going. Yeah. Like character doesn't grow, it frustrates me. That's why like yeah. sometimes sitcoms um in general like watching sitcoms um I don't necessarily gravitate towards them because like the characters yeah. are sometimes stagnant yeah it's like if, if the guy starts off as like this sexist person who's making these sexist they usually stay as that person yeah they do because it's a trope and that's big, yeah that's that's where they get all those yeah. jokes in yeah exactly like exactly yeah yeah, yeah. I think so I like it as sitcom you should watch is The Office. Now that has some real growth of characters and development. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, right. I don't even like sitcoms as well, just for that as well. I think they're just a bit predictable, boring. I just don't really like How them. many seasons? <laughs> I have like to ask. Seven or it's like eight, I think, or nine. But oh, okay. actually, they're so easy to watch. You will get through it so quick. It's one of the best TV shows I've ever watched. Oh, okay. Watch oh, like wow. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't as well, so yeah okay i'll definitely give it a try definitely uh, give it definitely yeah at the moment we're like uh hooked on to watching uh kim's convenience oh okay I, okay i wanted to watch that yeah. but i was really skeptical it's actually really good i really like it yeah like oh, really? i think because like usually sitcoms are like america america centric right but this is like a Korean Canadian. yeah yeah that's why i wanted to watch it's it like, well. yeah yeah i think you should definitely watch it because yeah. <laughs> basically yeah, my friend watch it during the day. We were watching it all together, like with my mom mm-hmm. before, because she's at work during the day. Sometimes we like steal during the, like and binge watch and she'll catch up by herself. So that's how good it is. Yeah, we can't oh, wait. Okay, all right. Yeah. I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch it tonight. If it's bad, I'm coming for you. <laughs> I'm, I want my time I'm back. I'm happy to take the blame. <laughs> I want my time back. You have to reimburse me <laughs> <my> time. <laughs> 
I'll try I'll find a way to help you invest back the 30 minutes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, oh. And another book I read is called Luster by Raven Leleni. Leilani, okay. sorry. Um, I'm sure you've seen it. Everyone's seen it. It's been so popular on, like everywhere in all the shops on yeah. Instagram. Good reads. Um, yeah. yeah. So this book is just about a woman in her 20s who starts dating this middle-aged white archivist called Eric and she's okay. having, and he's married by the way and he has a family oh boy and then yeah so it's just he's living a double life I'm kind of but it's just showing the like complexities uh just her experiences as a black woman young black woman living in New York I think and trying to mm. deal with like the realities of life work relationships feelings of okay. loneliness, depression she's also she's an artist she wants to be an artist but she's stuck in a job in a publishing industry that she doesn't really like um, mm. and yeah so it just shows her like dealing with that and then yeah there's some like drama that happens and she kind of lives she ends up living with Eric and his wife and the child it's very no. very interesting very strange I would yeah. I would put it under the same bracket of like millennial fiction, like um normal people, um queen, oh, okay. those type of novels. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting read. The writing style is very interesting. It's not to my taste, but right. I definitely think it's a worthwhile read because it's just different. Okay. Different. And it okay. shows a real gritty reality of what some people in their 20s feel like. And I think just because mm. we're in our 20s, it would be nice to just gain another perspective from people yeah. who maybe probably wouldn't know or like hang around or be exposed to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hmm, that sounds interesting as well. What I want to read next, I have not, I don't really know. Usually I just go with whatever I feel. So I just look yeah. at Yeah. See, that's the thing. That was what, what was hard for me like this time around because I set myself like five books that I said I was going to read. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've actually read out of those five mm-hmm. um, I started reading maybe two or three but also I, I ended up reading something completely different <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah, yeah that so, usually happens yeah yeah I think it's because like when you start reading something you don't like it sometimes I feel like I have to force myself to finish it but like these days I'm like nah no yeah. no no short yeah there might be another lockdown let me just read what I want to read exactly yeah <laughs> life's too short to read bad but that's why I felt with that Gia Tolentino book I was just like oh I'm really struggling to get into this book let me just put yeah. it on the back seat for now and just come back to it later um, yeah but yeah oh also I actually do want to read I bought this book recently it's called Fearing mm-hmm. the Black Body the Racial Origins of Fat Phobia by Sabrina Strick. oh yeah. I have that book in my Amazon basket oh don't buy it because I'll give it to you don't worry <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if you don't know this is a book exploring the historical development of pro-thin anti-fat ideologies deployed in the support of western patriarchal white supremacy that was mm. mouthful um yeah. so yeah so she talks about the aesthetics of the body when it came about in the from the renaissance thinkers and artists um yeah. to the not up until the 90s um she explores how white europeans and anglo-americans developed ideals of race and beauty that both explicitly and figuratively juxtapose some desirable white women against corpulent and seemingly monstrous black women so yeah it's just looking at the origins of fat phobia which is mm. interesting because i never knew that it came it had a racial element or racial origins 
So yeah, like fat phobia. Like I wouldn't have thought that either, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but then now, when you think about it, it kind of does make sense. Yeah, like, it does because if you think about that lady as well, um, Sarah Bart Bartman. Sarah Bartman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the right. of Venus. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you know, uh, the saddest thing about um, Sarah Bartman is the fact that when she died, her remains mm-hmm. were displayed in the museum in France. And do you know which year that South Africa managed to get back those remains? No, when? It was 2002. Oh my gosh, that's awful. It's, yeah, 2002 is when they managed to like repatriate her, her remains. 2000, can you imagine? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's such a strange thing to want to display. She didn't even consent to her remains being displayed in a museum, but they they stayed there for such a long time. Yeah, she was basically a slave. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's why, like, sometimes I I always question the like these days, like the the, like the the trend, right? Is like thunder thighs, blah blah blah, this this this. And I always wonder when that trend dies down. Will people be willing to have those kind of conversations after? And it's highly unlikely. But yeah, it's such they'll, a they'll take it out. That's what they did with big boobs. <laughs> they just took them out. <laughs> they recalled all the big boobs. You know so they'll recall all the BBLs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Yeah. I think there's something ethically wrong with the beauty industry. That's seriously, seriously wrong with it. There's the fat phobia side of things. Yeah. Um, and then there's the um, the whole thing of like body dysmorphia. Yeah, you have most surgeons, plastic surgeons, who are overwhelmingly male. I've never come across a female plastic surgeon, which is part of where the problem is. Like they see money in it, yeah. and they can ruin people's lives. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like there's something ethically wrong in that industry that needs to be fixed. But people don't want to talk about it yet, exactly. Probably. I think anything that happens like when capitalism comes into anything like you yeah. the industry when there's capitalist motivations in any industry it just becomes ethical. yeah yeah so. yeah literally ethics goes into the bin exactly yeah so yeah it's, it's crazy it's awful yeah it's it's awful how normalized it is that like, people just yeah. go to surgery and change your body for a trend yeah. for a look for the male gaze which exactly. is exactly changing like it doesn't matter like i don't know <laughs> It's, it's, it's actually mind-blowing and it if it's, it feels really cult-ish the fact the way like we chase these trends because at the end of the day like the trend dies and you're going to have to be stuck with this body mm-hmm. um, and then what you're going to do you're going to follow the next trend then yeah exactly exactly and i've seen people the other like, thing i didn't know no I was gonna, the other thing i didn't know was the thing was like double eyelid surgery in in, oh. in oh that's been around for time that was like the, but that's the thing like isn't that such a ridiculous isn't that like such a ridiculous thing to want yeah like I, I don't see I don't understand it like I, I I can't imagine like what how did they get to a point where they felt like okay there's something wrong with my eyelids of all my eyelids because of colonialism western capitalism the yeah. idea that white nurse is the standard of beauty the dominance of them dictating what beauty is in the west That's- spread all over the world like there's no part of the world that influenced by it that hasn't been shaped by like i don't know this white supremacist ideology definitely yeah in korea can you imagine like it's crazy 
But yeah, I know. And then there's the whole skin bleaching thing on top of that as well. Yeah, that's been around yeah. for so long. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Oh God, it's mad. It's mad. It's like almost all over the world. Like skin bleaching is like this huge pandemic. That's like the second biggest pandemic in the world, I think. Yeah. After. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. People want to just be lighter, just want to be as close to whiteness as possible because as possible. That's, yeah, that's the standard of beauty in our world, apparently. So yeah, yeah. I hate how like normalized it's like colorism and skin bleach, skin bleaching are not necessarily in Zim as much, but like in essay. Um, you can see there was a time where like musicians you had like all shades, kind of like the same thing in America as well, where you had like the Lauren Hills, Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, all those people and then suddenly over time everything got lighter and lighter and lighter yeah uh, more about the way you look that's where the currency was and most specifically like your complexion I was like that's mad it's, it's exactly the same as well yeah and like, yeah. like the ways in which people talk or comment mm-hmm. I've seen like interesting things that people do like when you've got like siblings one who's light and one who's dark yeah this auntie will be like oh look how beautiful she is and they like single out this other sibling and they start complimenting her and it's it's so disgusting to watch oh my god my body just repulses me (laughs) yeah so I hate that so much I think yeah I think it's just it's always been around since since I don't know since slavery and colonialism happened because if you think about it the the tribes and the people and the customs and the cultures which were lighter I yeah. think them would usually get more benefits or a different treatment if they were lighter. Yeah. So that further yeah. spurs this idea that, okay, the closer to whiteness I am, the better treatment I have, the more social... Yeah. It's, it's a bit like the Rwandan genocide, to be fair. Like, Tutsis yeah. were treated better because they had thinner noses. Yeah. Like, their hair texture was a bit different to, like, the horses who were a bit more full-on Afro, Afro, like Afro features, yeah? So exactly. that's... That's like that that whole thing was being exploited on that side as well. And yeah. then you have paper deck, paper bag test, the pencil test. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or the house slave and the field slave. Field slave, yeah. Exactly. All yeah. of these things, they, they have so, such long historical roots that yeah. I'm trying to undo it. Like it's taken how many years? 400 years for it to build up? It will take us 400 yeah, years. Yeah, a long time. It's 800 years to unbuild it. <laughs> okay, 800 years. I don't know when we want to put the point of when it starts. <laughs> but I'll just say, let's say 400 years. If yeah. Whatever amount of years it's taken to build and come to this place, we will need the same amount of time to undo, literally. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It takes a lot of active yeah. work and effort. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to think about it and don't care about it. They just want to live their yeah, I think life. It's, it's just exhausting, though, to think about it as well. Do you know what I think? Because, like, sometimes when you rebel um, against something, you sort of, you sort of, you kind of do give it power over you. It is. Yeah. And it's so hard to, like, try and stop, like, internalizing all of these things that you're fed from the beauty industry or how you should be. Like, yeah. it's so hard to stop it. Like, everyone you see, even, like, pretty privileged people who have like African women who have more Eurocentric features, you're going to find yourself yeah. having more social mobility or more economic ability. And it really seeps into your psyche and how you view yourself and how you view your world. I yeah. know people in their twenties who are my age, 23, and they're getting lip fillers and small fillers, lip fillers, small things in their yeah. eyes, small things on their jaw. And you're 23. Yeah. Your body hasn't even fully finished developing yet. Your developing, brain hasn't yeah. fully finished developing. So Yeah, but what 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 is it that's so wrong with not having all those features? Like that's 
I think it's because it gives you the lack Which of what we should be going into. But like, that's the conversation that people are not willing to have. Yeah, I think so. But I, I see why some people do, because if you feel like you're not the standard of beauty and you feel insecure and people want you to be that type of way, you'd want yeah. to fit in. You want to be, everyone wants to be desired. Everyone wants to feel yeah. accepted. So I get why people yeah. do it. And if it actually has some type of, if it helped me to get a job or if it helped me to, to, to get a certain type of, guy that i thought likes this certain type of thing i also too yeah but it's just my personal interest and views and wants it's also that thing where like it's also that thing where like we also do kind of perpetuate these things as well we keep it going in a really way because i was reading about this thing where people like people talk about like chloe kardashian's um body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. that the whole family has sort of like created this unrealistic beauty standard they can't live up to but they've profited all this time and they've sort of like created this like crazy fake reality Mm -hmm. that been like ascribed to anymore yeah that's where we should like hold ourselves responsible we should hold our horses there and be like look this is what we're doing we shouldn't be doing this Mm -hmm. yeah we shouldn't it's crazy actually which reminds me there's a book called the beauty myth by naomi wolf Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting one as well because she talks about all these things about like the fact that like how do we get to a point where like women care about like the size of your waist and stuff like that and yeah yeah it's, it's true it's an amalgamation of so many different things also you know yeah. that lady who I um reading the book Trick Mirror Gio Tolentino I think she yeah. wrote an article a few years ago about this the site like the Instagram face the Instagram yeah. face which is the cyborg face amalgamated together into a specific type of vision and that's that as well yeah yeah it was mm-hmm. like, that's what it is yeah yeah, yeah. it is yeah. yeah but I definitely feel like those type of beauty standards have definitely affected the way I feel about my own looks and stuff especially when I was growing up like I remember when yeah. I was growing up I thought I looked like a monster I thought I was a gremlin I thought really? I was yeah like honestly like the the people it's maybe it's where I grew up as well but there were black people in my area but the people who yeah. usually were the most desired were either white girls or really light-skinned black girls so yeah you know I think yeah light. I feel like I feel like it would have been worse for you as well because what I realized when I moved here I think two things I didn't watch that much tv mm-hmm. as much as I, I feel like that shielded me from all of those crazy beauty ideals but also because a lot of the nasty um comments about especially black features come from black guys yeah like I, I noticed it when I was at uni I feel like they rip black girls self-esteem apart yeah yeah they're the first culprits <laughs> <laughs> it's true yeah it's so true definitely even like um yeah. I think I was reading an Audrey Lord in the book she talks about how she has an afro and yeah she has an afro and she's very she has a natural hairstyle and people like the first people to talk about to her like oh look at your hair is black women they say to her oh get a hot comb why is your hair like that like she likes the way her hair is naturally but look at how she's been kind of torn down and told like this is not the standard of beauty you look ugly and even with black men as well like she has a relationship an encounter with a black man and it literally her her, she's like at risk from physical violence and like yeah it's just it's really interesting that sometimes it stems 
it starts from our own community where we first yeah. but obviously it's or its origins aren't from black people obviously yeah and also it's actually funny to say that because like in when, I, when you walk around like before the natural hair, hair movement where you're walking around like an afro or something people's comments were like oh when are you going to relax it yeah so that was the main question that you get yeah it's the, the automatic assumption is there's something wrong with your hair we need okay. to exactly yeah yeah exactly. yeah yeah absolutely but yeah yeah I'm glad, I guess you're kind of lucky that when you grow up you didn't you were shielded from that but that must have been really shocking because I've had years of resistance build up but then I've also <laughs> had years of trying to unlearn everything I've internalized okay so that's it for it for this week guys um we hope you enjoyed the episode um, you can find us on social media at Express Your Shelf Podcast on Instagram and at Express Your Shelf on TikTok. Thank you for listening. Bye, guys. Bye.